Hello, and welcome everybody to the Riverfront Red Show. This is episode number 514 of the world's most dangerous podcast, where we discuss the Cincinnati Reds and, on occasion, Dante Bichette. I'm your host, Nate Dotson, and with me this week is the podfather himself, Bill Lack. Bill, how you doing, man? It's good to see you. I'm doing great, man. Just trying to get through the holidays here. You and me both, all of us out there. Um, Chad could not join us this week. He had some work stuff come up, so Bill was a legend, joined on short notice, and we're going to knock out the Reds news, of which there is a little, nothing crazy, but there's something to talk about. But before we go any further, please head over to YouTube or your favorite podcast app. Do the likes, the subscribes, hit the bell, smash the buttons. You know how to do it, and we'd appreciate it if you did. Um, and also, huge, huge, huge shout out to our Patreon family. Um, the show would quite literally not be possible without the uh, the constant support from those guys. And it's a whole lot of fun hanging out and getting to know that crew, too. So if you want to go a little bit deeper and help keep this ship afloat, head on over to patreon.com slash Cincy and join the family. Um, Bill, you brought this to my attention. So before we, before we get into baseball-related things, um, we just want to offer our most heartfelt and sincere condolences to um, Jake Fraley's family. His his wife announced that their daughter has been diagnosed with leukemia. So before we kick anything else off, all the thoughts and prayers and positivity and good vibes heading towards the Fraley family right now. Good vibes only. That's exactly right. But, well, we, it's been a little while since you and I have talked. It's been a few weeks, and I haven't uh, been on the show the last couple weeks. The Reds have made some moves. Nothing yeah, earth-shattering. Yeah. A couple pitchers and, 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 a, and an outfielder. And, and I weighed in on, on the pitcher signings a couple weeks ago with Chad. And what did you think about the pitching signings? Well, we'll start with Emilio. Is it Pagan or Pagan? I'm not sure. Um, I am very, very pro both of these signings. I don't think either of them make the Reds an NL Central favorite. I don't think either of them really are going to move the needle in a big way compared to what expectations have been this offseason. But, but, big hairy but, they're both good ballplayers. They both make this team better. Um, looking at last season, you know, how, is it Pagan or Pagan? I don't want to say the wrong thing. I'm going to go with Pagan. I'm going to put a little flair on it. I, my, one of my favorite stats, if not my favorite stat for a pitcher, is whip. Walks and hits per innings pitch. Last year, he had a .92. For his career, 1.07. It seems like every game we watch, our bullpen, these guys are getting in and out of trouble. And they're having to fight through. They're making things tougher on themselves. This guy, his best skill is limiting that trouble. He gives I, up a lot of fly balls, though. He's a fly ball rate pitcher, and that, that's concerning. He does, and I agree completely. But if he has taken the uh, Kevin Hergert innings and the Alan Businitz innings, then we're replacing him with a guy who tends to not allow walks or hits. I'm I'm happy with it. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, if we're if we're not seeing uh, Casey Legumini and, and Kevin <laughs> Hergett and uh, San San Martin, and how dare how dare you disparage Casey Beans? I'm, I'm just saying. <laughs> no, I, but that, I'm, I'm looking off these names that I don't even remember them pitching. Michael Marriott, Brent Kennedy. The, the illustrious Ricky Karcher. Now, let's pour one out. Moment <laughs> of silence for Ricky Karcher. 
Didn't I got he just sign with somebody though? Didn't I read where he signed with somebody? He did. I can't remember off the top of my head who, who but it was the Diamondbacks. I think the Diamondbacks signed to minor league too. Well, what you're saying about Pagan or uh, is, is essentially the same thing as Chad and I said. He makes this team better. Mm-hmm. I don't think you can argue that he doesn't make – if he takes innings away from the guys who were at the bottom of the, of the bullpen last year. But he he doesn't – if he moves the needle, he don't move it a whole lot. That's right. But he, but he moves it a little, and he moves in the right direction. Yeah, and that's all I'm going to care about. And he played for the Puerto Rican team in the World Baseball Classic, and you know I love my Puerto Ricans. So welcome to the team, Emilio. Glad to have you. Um, the other big signing was Nick Martinez, who I also have not gotten a chance to weigh in on, at least not – in this forum, um, I, I mean, I, I kind of feel similarly. You know, Bill, Luke Weaver and Ben Lively pitched 170 innings for the Reds last year. We're going to have a lot less of that. He's going to fight for he'll be rotation filler. I know Nick Crawl came out and said that he's going to be a, um, you know, they're working him in as a starter, and they should. We complained all offseason last year and all throughout the season about a lack of rotational depth. And this guy is rotational depth. And he's pretty good. He's not going to win a Cy Young. He's not going to win Cy Young votes. But he's pretty good. So I am not going to complain about that. I think every major league, every serious major league club that has a real chance at contention has to have a guy like Nick Martinez. Have your thoughts changed I, I, in any way? No, I agree with you 100%. And, and the two things I like about him, looking, I'm looking back at my notes from a couple weeks ago. He's got a real low hard hit rate, and he's in the top 90% in ground balls. Yep. Uh, I, and and even even if let, let's assume that they they go out and get a starter, and they decide they don't need him in the rotation, that gives them somebody to give them some length in the bullpen too. You don't have to change your guys in your bullpen every inning. You, you can get you can get two or three innings out of this guy a couple times a week, maybe. Absolutely. So again, again, makes the team better. I think he moves the needle a little more than Pagan does, but because uh, he's more versatile. Um, but I, I, you know, neither one of them are going to make you make you the you know the front runner. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Um, I will say that yeah, a lot of people are balking at the um, how much these guys cost, how much the Reds gave them. I'll just say out loud, I don't care. They can pay them twice as much for all I care. If it doesn't impede them, I have from, more of a problem with the Begon money than I do the Martinez money. And I think it's a fair it's a fair point. But from where I sit, I don't care how Nick Crawl spends the Castellini's money. As long as it doesn't prevent them from making another move, right? Then I'm fine with it. Spend it but the, all. But the thing is, and you and I both know that it will. He has a set amount of money that he can spend, and so you, we we you do want him to spend it in the in the in the most advantageous way. I mean, that's just you know silly to say you don't care how much he spends. I don't care how much he spends. I care that he fills the holes as west as best he can that this team mm-hmm. needs to fill. And that's well said. They these two signings have filled a need. Mm-hmm. You can argue about whether or not they cost too much, but I think that even 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 as high as, as much as they were paid, there's still plenty of room to go. Still plenty of space in that budget to build this franchise. I hope anyway. We'll see. But they spent some more money, and as opposed to uh, those other two guys being a, a very very obvious position of need, the most recent signing Bill was a uh, was, was not a huge position in need. Um, I haven't got to get your thoughts on this, but the Reds signed Jamer Candelario to a three-year, $45 million contract. Um, there's a team option for a fourth year for another 15 mil. And what were your 
initial thoughts on the Jamer signing. Well, I, I just listened to last week's podcast today with Tim and Chad, and and I kind of I kind of agree with them. I'm kind of confused by this sign, unless there's another shoe that's going to drop. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, depth is good. Depth is always good. As much depth as you can get is good. But there's only you know, assuming this team stays healthy, which was didn't happen last year. Uh, but you would assume young guys are going to be more healthier than old guys. There aren't a whole a lot, you know. There aren't a lot of at bat, you know, spare at bats hanging out there. So somebody's not going to be happy. See, I, you almost have to feel like there's something else going on here. Um, go ahead. Yes, yeah, I think that's it. I've been saying since the moment this got announced. A lot of people have. It's not like I'm being super creative here. Um, the move before the move is what it seems like. But until that move happens, I'm not sure there's a ton of value in speculating about about something. Now, I will judge this trade a lot differently on April 1st than I do right now, I'm sure. I trade the signing. It was free agent signing. Was it surprising? Absolutely. But Reds fans are funny, man. Like, what, what are we really complaining about here? What they did was they got who MLB Trade Rumors had as the number five position player free agent. So they got one of the best hitting free agents on the market. Fairly weak class, but still, the guy's pretty good. Um, if you look at his numbers, he's had he's one one nineteen in India. He had a one nineteen OPS plus last year. And let me just scroll down some stats real quick. He had a one twenty one in two thousand one, one thirty seven in two thousand twenty, but that's a weird season. One thirty three. 2017, just a few games. I think he's better than Jonathan India. I think this guy is. If you do a comparison on them on baseball reference, he has almost about twice as many games. He has less than twice as many hits. He has less than twice as many home runs. Now, some of that is ballpark related, I'm sure. This guy's skills are definitely going to play up in Great American. But, man, take take away Jonathan India's rookie season when – he was fantastic. And, and what do you have? Like, this guy is a more consistent, more versatile ball player than Jonathan India. And I love Jonathan India. I'm pro Jonathan India. Got a jersey upstairs. If, if you look at the fan graphs and the baseball reference, what they're predicting for them for this year, they're pretty damn similar. So, so I, you know I'm not saying it was a bad signing. I'm not saying anything. I'm saying be realistic in what your expectations are for this guy. <laughs> A hundred percent. I don't see him as a uh, you know, middle order of the middle of the order bat, a, a future all star, none of that stuff. But what I do see is a guy who is almost always in his career a well above average hitter. And the Reds went out and paid one of those guys money, and they do not do that very often. So I'm not going to complain yet. We'll see if uh, they don't do anything else, and the Reds have this glut of infielders and nowhere to play him, then sure, we can we can play revisionist history and complain about it. But in the meantime, you know, I'm, I'm getting strong Nick Castellanos vibes because Candelario profiles as a as a serious doubles hitter who might be able to put up, you know, 20, 25 home runs in Great American Ballpark. We just have to teach him how to flex on Cardinals players. The guy slides into I home hope, and just bucks right. on catchers. I hope you're right, but neither fan graphs or baseball references predicting that. Now, I don't well, know. If they did, I don't know if they did these predictions before or after the signing, or how mm-hmm. that's reflected. Well, you what know? do these what do these experts know? I'm a guy in my guest bedroom with a podcast. They know more than me. 
We'll fi- I guess we'll find out, huh? <laughs> yeah, I, I, we keep saying, you know, this, this move the needle thing. We, we, we got a guy that's good. We got a guy that's a very good hitter. You have to have these guys. You need them up and down your lineup. Well, and, I, and I guess this leads to a bigger question, which is what do you think they're doing? What is the strategy going forward? Do you think there is one? Do you think they're just flying by the seat of their pants? Well, first, before, before I, you know, because I know I'm going to get in trouble. I'm, I'm not saying this guy's a bad ball player, and I'm not saying he doesn't make this team better. He does make this team better. Uh, but to answer your second question, but I don't think he moves the needle incredibly. Mm-hmm. Uh, we haven't got that needle, that big needle mover yet. Um, as for what they're doing, I we won't know until, like you said, you know, until until we know. I, I, you hope there's a plan. This wasn't just a. You hope this was step one in a multi-step plan to make this team more uh, competitive than they were last year. Uh, yeah. Right. I mean, they're better than right now. They're better than they were when the season ended. I, I don't think anybody can argue that. But are they good enough to catch the improvement that the Cardinals have made? What the Cubs have, or, you know, you know, the Cubs and the Cardinals and the and the Brewers aren't done. Gosh, no. So, you know, it's it's one thing to get better. It's one thing to get enough better. And that's when I what I wonder: Are we going to get enough better? Yeah, that's right. I think that we, if the Reds were able to go and get that ace, that that one or two guy in the rotation, then I think that we'd suddenly start feeling really optimistic about their chances in 2024. But at least for now, I'm going to assume that Nick Crawl knows what he, at least what he wants to do. You know, whether or not he's able to do that, we'll see. Time will tell. But if not, they acquired a guy who is a damn good hitter from both sides of the plate. Um, he plays multiple positions. And, yeah, I don't think we should view this as anything more than that until at least we get to April and see what this roster look like. Yep. Um, the Marlins last year made a very similar move when um, they signed was it jo- Johnny Cueto. And then a couple days later, they traded stud pitcher Pablo Lopez for Luis Arias. You know, it could be something like that brewing where they uh, – they, they want to make a move from a position of strength, and they just made that position even stronger. Right. It's a lot easier to move a Jonathan India or one of yeah. the young guys who maybe the Reds front office isn't quite as high on as some of us fans. If you've got a guy like Jamer Candelario, you can lose a guy with a lot of upside if you've got a steady presence like Jamer in the lineup. So we'll see. I I, I don't know. Obviously, I don't know. But in a vacuum, I really like the signing. You know, last season, the Reds had 12 different players play over 20 games in the infield. It's like you need dudes. You need depth. And you've talked about this a lot. You know, only Jonathan India and Candelario actually have over a year of MLB service time in this infield. Vets are good. And the term sophomore slump exists for a reason. Like we just assume these rookies are all going to get better. Right. And, and I've been on here a couple of times. And there, yeah. are going to be guys, there are going to be guys that last year what you saw was the best they're going to be. I, I hope not. But, I mean, can't, the chances of all of these guys improving year to year, it, it, you know. The chances that they were all as good as they were last year were almost zero. Right. The chances that that's going to happen and they're all going to take a leap yeah. together. Yeah. We can all uh, cross our fingers. 
Yeah, absolutely. And we're going to cross our fingers because this is the baseball offseason. That's what we do. But, man, you you look at the lineup as it stands today. And if they just keep it the way it is, if you look at OPS Plus was the stat that I got pulled up real quick. The Reds could easily have eight dudes over a 100 OPS Plus. And that doesn't even count bounce back year from Ty Steve. I didn't even include Ellie in that, who had a well below 100 last year. Mm-hmm. Like all I'm saying is that even if no additional moves are made, let's just let's just save the complaining from midseason when we know it didn't work because the boys could have one of the most potent lineups in the league. And I'm freaking here for it, man. And and, and, and one of the youngest lineups in the league. <laughs> and one of the we youngest. Just, you know, we, we just hope we're not the Guardians. If they are, then they're taking a different path to it. So yep. we'll see. But uh, like everybody else says, I, I, I love the moves. We'll see how they plan out. And hopefully there's there's still something to go. The Reds have been linked to a lot of people. One of those people is the Guardians. You just mentioned Shane Bieber. We call that a transition in the bigs, in the, in the biz, guys. That was pretty good. Um, Bill, what, what are your thoughts on, I guess, just like the, the Bieber rumblings? Are you in on Bieber? Would you? Be interested in bringing him over to Cincinnati? Yeah, I mean, you know, of course you would. But, again, I think you have to temper your expectations and what you're willing to give up. He had a 1.8 wins above replacement last year. That was lower than Abbott and Ashcroft both. I mean, th- that was what Brandon Williamson had. So, I mean, if we bring him in, don't expect him to be, you know, Bob Gibson. Mm-hmm. You know, hopefully he can you know go back to being that great. But you know, if you if you're happy with a you know maybe a two war year and a veteran presence and, and you know and him starting you know giving you 200 innings, yeah, I think that's a reasonable expectation for him. And, and, but the question is, then you have to figure out how, how much you're willing to give up for a year of that. That's the calculus, right? Um, yeah. A lot of people on my timeline seem to have been like a hard no on getting Shane Bieber, and I think whatever the price is for Shane Bieber is is the question. Um, you don't want to give up the farm for him alone because he's been injury prone as well. Um, if he comes with Emmanuel Classe, another shutdown reliever for the later innings, then you definitely bump that package up. And sure, you know, Bieber's not the Cy Young winner that he was in the past, granted, 2020, and you know, caveat screen salt, all that good stuff. And his velocity does seem to be trending down, and there are some other stats that we would prefer to be going in the opposite direction. But he's still an extremely valuable pitcher. I already talked about how many innings from the starting rotation we got from the Luke Weavers and Ben Livelys of the world. Um, we talked about the sophomore slump for the position players. Well, what about Brandon Williamson and Andrew Abbott and some of these guys? You know, two seasons ago, he's what would you say it was 1.2, 1.6 last season for Bieber? Wins above replacement. Two seasons uh, one, ago. He was 1.8 last year. 1.8. Well, 2022, he was a 3.6 with 200 innings pitched. Now you get you get anywhere close to that version, and it's a no brainer. Again, expect, you know what, what, whether you that. want to believe these projections or, or not, you know n- none of them. You know, they're both uh, fan graphs and Baseball Reference are predicting him between three point five and four in ERA, and between one point one eight and one point two five in WHIP. I mean, you need those guys. If, if Nick Crawl goes out and puts a package together that ranks them over here, and it's a package that would. Uh, in theory, bring an ace to the rotation, then yeah, you could be disappointed in that. But again, in a vacuum, a guy like that makes the team better. Yeah, absolutely. And 
gets gets those odds of making the playoffs, and maybe sniffing sniffing a pennant a little bit higher. Give me that. Pump it into my veins, Bill. I'm tired. I'm confused. The rest keep making moves that make the team better, and people complain online about it. I don't get it. I do want. I want to make a big splashy signing. I want to, whether it's free agency or a trade, bring me a stud, bring me an ace. But in the meantime, I'm I'm pretty excited about them just getting better dudes. Yeah, yeah. I don't think you can you, you can argue about that. You don't think they've made a big enough splash, but I don't think you can argue that they haven't made the team better. Yeah, and it's also still early in the off season. Somehow, it yeah. feels like it's been going on for three years. Because that's because issue we're actually paying attention. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we're actually uh, anticipating moves being made. That's right. Um, I guess the only other thing that's sort of been coming up that has been controversial that I've been seeing is there was some chatter about Jonathan India moving to the outfield. What are your thoughts on Nick Crawl came out and said, "Hey, that Jonathan India is um, likely to see some reps in a corner outfield spot." Do you have any initial thoughts on whether or not it's a good idea, bad idea, if you don't care at all? I think anything Jonathan Indy can do to, to make himself more versatile helps the team if he's still here, and yeah. thus I'm in favor of it. Yeah, couldn't agree more. I mean, first off, Jonathan India going to be a dad soon, so congrats on that. Shouts to uh, baby India coming soon. Probably have great um, hair. That baby will have great hair. Great hair. Um, I have no clue if he's even going to be on the team in 2024. As, as opposed to someone that doesn't have much, so. <laughs> Both of us. <laughs> Both of us. Um, I'm not sure. I've seen a lot of people that are like against this move, moving him to the outfield thing, really lampooning it. And I, I'm just not sure why. I mean, he's a pretty bad defensive second baseman. It's not like he's he's, he's even leaving. He's, he's well below league average. So why not even try? I have a theory, and I have – no idea if it's just me trying to trying to be right on the internet, but uh, I think that this positional versatility that the Reds are playing around with is kind of the future. The Dodgers have been doing it a lot. I mean, Mookie Betts played three positions last year, and that's Mookie freaking Betts. I think people attributed Nixon Zell moving around a lot to maybe stunning his growth a little bit, but maybe Nixon Zell just wasn't that dude. You know, there was a uh, – the Reds have an entire roster of dudes that can play multiple positions. They can get at-bats for everybody. And the NBA has been doing this for forever. It went positionless. And things will cycle back around, of course. They always do. But I think that we're seeing, hey, maybe maybe having that guy that plays 155 games a season isn't the best thing. Maybe having 12 guys that can all play somewhere between 130 and 150 keeps your best bats in the lineup year round. I don't know. I'm just I'm trying to be optimistic right here. Maybe maybe Nick Crawl is playing a little, little 4D chest right now. You know, there was a pretty good res team in the past, Bill, where a very important player moved from left field to third base so that the team could have better bats in the lineup. And that worked out pretty well. Yes, it did. But the other thing is, you know, and, and this is the old guy saying this is, you know, this isn't baseball isn't the same eight guys every day anymore. It, it, nobody, nobody plays the same eight. As far as I can think of, nobody plays the same eight guys every day anymore. Yeah. You know, the, and and, and the more versatility you have on your team, the better off your team's going to be. I don't know how. I don't know how anybody could be against them giving India a look in the outfield and see if he can help the ball club. 
Yeah, I mean, that, that that's it. I think a lot of it is just that stubbornness. You know, we grew up watching a style of baseball where the same eight dudes played the position every single day unless they were hurt. And when they were hurt, they were hurt. You had to get shot in the leg to not play. Or you might you might have one – we might have one platoon. You know, you might have one platoon. Maybe. And if Dusty Baker was your manager, then, like, your best players took Sunday off. But yeah, you other never than wanted that, to buy tickets for a Sunday. You <laughs> no, never you wanted to have tickets for a Sunday. Other than that, you saw those dudes in the lineup every day. And I just – like you said, I don't think that's the game anymore – and I think what the Reds have done, what Nick Crawl has done, and you know that I'm hesitant to give Nick Crawl too much credit. That is not what we do on this podcast. We are a wait-and-see podcast. Um, he has quietly created a roster full of position players that can all hit for – they're all above-average hitters, and they can all play multiple positions. They are platoon-proof. They are – you know, injury proof. Like, if, if, if somebody goes down and Jonathan India is the guy that comes off the bench instead of Kevin Newman or Matt Reynolds, right? Unfortunately, they don't have Alejo Lopez anymore, so you don't have that trump card, my guy Alejo. But depth, depth is a key, you know. And, and like you said earlier, you know, maybe with rotating guys in and out like this, you keep you know you keep guys healthier, and and, and if you can keep your best guys healthier. You, you know, you're, you're building a better ball club. Yeah, I wonder if that's not what Nick Crawl is doing. I have certainly in the past been like, keep guys in the same position all the time. It's got to be d- difficult for them to play multiple positions. Maybe it increases their likelihood of injury. Maybe it just makes them less comfortable. So they're having to spend more time out there and not more time in the batting cages. I don't know. I don't know how this is going to play out. But there are people way smarter than me and way more in the know than me that are figuring this stuff out. So at least for now, just because we're going into this offseason with some hope and some optimism, I'm going to give the front office the benefit of the doubt. For now, I will come down with a hammer of Thor if this doesn't work. Well, the front office and the coaching staff, because you've got to believe if the coaching staff didn't believe it was going to work, you'd be here. You, you, we wouldn't be hearing anything about it, but they would. you wouldn't be hearing so much talk about versatility if the coaching staff didn't believe it. Yeah, my theory is that um, I've got more faith in the coaching staff than I do in the front office. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. And that's part of the strategy. That's why you, uh, a lot of people complained about the Reds targeting so many middle infielders. You get those guys because they're the best athletes. You can move them around the diamond. There's a lot of chatter now about maybe Ellie playing some center field. And a lot of people I, are against that. Like, no, he's most valuable at shortstop. Well, yeah. But if you've got Matt McClain playing gold glove caliber defense or Edwin Arroyo or whoever it is when the time comes and Ellie's bat stays in the lineup because he's playing center field out there patrolling it like Fernando Tatis, who I think is right field, not center, but whatever. These guys that can play all these positions keeps bats in lineups, and it makes the roster sort of platoon-proof. How frustrated do we all get it? David Bell's constant platooning and over-reliance on the the splits. This roster might not need that. I I agree. I agree. There's nothing more frustrating to me than, than David Bell running guys in and out of the lineup like it's a little league game. Mm-hmm. Um, and 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 the, the end of something. Else, I I for I believe that Ellie Dela Cruz is going to end up as a center field. I I I think we've got too many shortstops in the system. Um, I think it's a proven factor that guys can move from shortstop to center field. A guy named Eric Davis was drafted as a, as a shortstop. Heard of him. Um, Heard him compared to a young. Uh... 
Ellie De La Cruz. Yeah. <laughs> he came to my birthday party in Chattanooga a couple Get years ago. Get out of here. I've got a picture. <laughs> All right. Time out on the current <laughs> events. Um, but, you know, the versatility, like you said, the best athletes are shortstops generally. Uh, Billy Hamilton went from shortstop, played a great center field. You, we, we can talk about his hitting. His, or his lack of hitting all Let's day not. Long. Let's but, not. But man, he could play center field. Uh, you know, I heard our good friends over at, uh, I was listening to Locked On Reds, and Steve and Jeff and Lance McAllister were all talking about it. And Steve Offenbaker, huge friend of the show, long time. Yeah, great guy. I've known Steve for almost three decades. Um, he said that he was sort of against moving Ellie to center field because he was getting King Griffey Jr. vibes about too many collisions into the wall and these high effort plays that led to injuries. And my first thought was, my first thought was, okay, I get what you're saying. My second thought was, if we can get a King Griffey Jr. out there, that sounds, that sounds pretty good. <laughs> that worked really well for a really long time. So I, I guess my, my initial thing is like, I love a lot of these dudes in this roster. A lot of people are talking about, you know, does the next move that this, this package for an ace, does it get rid of, CES or Spencer Steer or Noel V. Marte. And my thought is, man, like they do need one more arm, at least one more mm-hmm. stud arm. But outside of that, I cannot remember a Reds lineup where one through 11, they could trot out dudes like guy guys that can hit. Up and down the lineup. They're bench. You go Will, Will Benson and Jake Fraley are guys coming off the bench most of the time. I mean, that that is depth that I, I, I can never remember this this team having. Maybe you there, can. Other, other than a catcher, and, and nobody has depth, real, real depth at catcher. If you're if your number two's a pretty good you know, pretty good catcher and can't hit or can hit just a little bit, which I think what is, is where we are with re-signing Molly. Uh, you know, that's the only position you could say where they, you know, but but nobody has a, you know, a, a borderline starter backup catcher. Yeah, they, you know. So other than that, yeah, this this team is is deep. But if but if they do make it, like you said, if they do make a trade for a frontline starter for the guy that we want them to go out and get, the guy that can move the needle, you have to be willing to accept the fact that they're going to give up. Some at least one of these major league guys, guys that got major league time that are young, and some guys in, in you know double triple A. I would obviously love to see them only package some prospects. Um, we didn't even talk about it yet, but the Reds somehow lucked their way into the number two pick in the next draft, yeah, which was complete, complete just it, it, it erased all of the negativity from them getting the seventh pick in the draft before. Let's give credit where credit is due. They sent Devin Mezzarocco to the draft, our guy, Devin um, Mezzarocco. Immediate induction into the Reds Hall of Fame. Like, just fast-track it, get him in there. I, I, I'm really thrilled that the Reds have the number two pick in the draft. I really hate that they screwed with the draft and, and, and they have this lottery now. I hate it. I'm an old guy. I admit it. I hated it last season. I love it this season. <laughs> yeah. I was at the gym and I just like, you know, I know the draft's going on. I'll hop on Twitter, see what's happening. And they like announced everything up to the top six and they hadn't announced the red yet. I was like, oh gosh. So I'm like laying on the turf at the gym following them announcing these picks. I was as the most excited I have been since, uh, I don't know, Joey's finale in Cincinnati. 
Well, the, and the top two picks are all Ohio picks. It was a good. It was a good week for Ohio. <laughs> I love it. So, but but that's just more depth. Like they can trade some dudes, yeah. and you're going to replace them with one of the best players, best amateur players in the country. So, make a move, Nick Crawl. Do something. We are waiting on bated breath with bated breath. I don't even know what the cliche is, but we're waiting and we're ready. Uh, they did make one move today, Bill. Yeah. The Reds signed catcher Austin Wins. Mm-hmm. I like the last name because I like Wins to some kind of weird one-year contract. It was called a split contract where if he makes the major league roster, I think he gets $950,000. But if he's in the minors, he gets like three hundred or something. I don't know. I haven't had enough time to dive into this yet. I've never heard of a split contract. Do you know anything about how this was structured, who this guy is? Should we even talk about it? Well, I mean, he's worth it. Defensively, he sounds like he's a pretty good player. He's career, he's thrown out 29% of the runners against him. Last mm-hmm. year, he threw out 33% of the runners against him. Whoa. Uh, he can't hit a lick. Um, I, I forget what his – let's see. Hang on a minute here. I'm looking at him. He – uh, his OPS plus last year was 45 and 42. It was 42 on the year. I'm no mathematician, but that's not the good. year. The year before, now the, in 2022 in San Francisco, it was 91. Oh, that's pretty good oh. for a backup catcher. I'd take oh, that. Oh, now, oh, now. Um, of course, that's in uh, 177 play appearances. So, well, let's leave out the facts that don't support our happiness. You know, but it's a backup catcher. But the, the, the thing that concerns me about this, does this bode the return of the three catchers on the, <laughs> on the roster? That's I saw, what concerns me. Yeah, a lot of people share that sentiment, especially when the news was first broke and they didn't mention the split contract. I would be shocked if that's the case. Never hold anything. You know, I won't put it past the front office. But the Reds lost their two AAA Top two AAA catchers in the offseason. They went to uh, pursue other opportunities. So I think this is nothing more than depth. depth. Or the or- organizational depth. Yeah. It's got to be that. I hope it's that. If it's not that, then we'll do – if we find out it's not that, then we'll do an emergency podcast just to <laughs> lampoon that decision. Wasting a roster spot on a third catcher, which they did all year last year. <laughs> oh, gosh. Anyway. Put that in my mind. I thought that was two seasons ago when we were supposed to lose games. <laughs> All right. The only other news of the week, and this is not news. I just thought it was funny. Um, Tom Brenneman, former friend of the franchise, had been making the, the media rounds lately, and he said that he thinks his uh, last few years were all part of God's plan. So I'm just going to leave that there and move on. God works in mysterious ways. Bill, do you want to get into some viewer mail questions? I can hardly wait. Um, we have actually addressed a lot of these throughout our conversation today, but we're going to run through them. Um, as always, these questions are brought to you and us by our friends at patreon.com slash riverfront sensei for where for just a couple bucks a month, you too can join the family. And we'd love to have you. Our first question comes from young Kyle Kapler. Kyle says, are you more or less confused after Crawl spoke at the Candelario press conference? Also, what should the next move be in your opinion? Um, as for the first part, um, 
Carl said that he plays first and third base and he switch hits and he should help. Classic, classic crawl. Classic Nick Crawl eloquence. Kind of what we said, isn't it? <laughs> kind of what we said. They should just hire us to do this. Um, my only like gut fan reaction to all of this, and this is just me as a fan, it has nothing to do with strategizing what's what I imagine a general manager and a president of baseball operations must have to do. Joey Votto doesn't play for the Reds, and that stinks. So talking about how he fits in a corner infield spot, and granted, I know Joey could only play first base in DH. Um, if Jamer comes out and stinks, <laughs> and he plays 150 games and he stinks, which I don't expect and I don't want, and we are deprived of any sort of uh, goodbye to Joey that I feel us as fans deserved, then I'm going to have a problem with a lot of things Nick Crawl says. But in the meantime, Kyle, no, I'm fine with it. He's Nick Crawl. We don't expect him to say things well. Bill? I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm confused because I don't know. Oh, as we said, we feel like this is the first step in a multi-step plan. Uh, what that next move is going to be? You would assume it's they're you know they're looking to bring this pitcher in. That's the that's the the biggest you know question mark on this team right now. Uh, you know we've learned not to trust you know crawl and and, and he, he he's getting better at his general manager speak I think. Uh, he's been studying the uh, yeah he's script. been studying the, the you know the he, he watched uh, Bull Durham and he worked on his cliches. <laughs> But yeah, I'm a little confused about what, where this team's going. But I hope that there's a plan, and I, you know, I think, you know, the next move is that pitcher that we're looking for. Yeah, that's the thing. If you look at everything the Reds have done over the last two and a half seasons, every single move seems like it was part of a plan until you get to this last one, this Candelaria move. So hopefully, that's just because we haven't seen the next one, and yeah, it is in fact part of the plan. Yeah, that this wasn't a Mike Miner move, I'm, I'm, and I'm not comparing them as players, but I'm comparing them as, you know, I need to sign somebody, so I'm signing somebody. I need to spend money. Uh, I want to believe that this is the first step in a grand plan. For sure. Um, Kyle, asked for the second part of your question. Two questions, getting greedy over here. Um, what should the next move be, in my opinion? I have no freaking clue. Um, Pitcher. It needs to be a pitcher. It needs to be a really, really good pitcher. It needs to be a durable pitcher. And would Bieber fill that? What you just said? Would he fill that for you? Not for me. I don't think so. I, I'm pro Shane Bieber. I want Shane Bieber, but I want him in that three, four, five spot because I got his numbers pulled up right here. His innings pitched over the last several years. Yep. One twenty-eight last year. Two hundred and two thousand two. I will take two thousand twenty-two Shane Bieber. John Blue in the face, 96 in 2001, over 200 in 2019, but only 114 in 2018. So I don't think he does. Yeah, two, two of the last five years he's gotten to 200 innings. Yeah. Um, Mark, could Marcus Stroman be that guy? I don't know. A lot of ground balls. I don't like his face very much. I don't like his attitude. And he, and he yeah. was a cub. And it was a cub, stupid fuzzy cubbies. 
right. Next question comes from Seth Shaner. Seth says, most, I think, Reds fans expect there to be more movement to go along with the acquisitions thus far. You got two of those fans on this podcast today, Seth. If you had a say, and it's criminal criminal that they haven't hired either of you yet, he, this must have been when he thought Chad was coming. Yeah, he thought, Chad, he thought it was going to be you and Chad. No, had you and Chad. There's no way that I deserve to say so in this. I would have given a lifetime contract to Alejo Lopez. <laughs> Seth, we're going to need a clarification on that question. <laughs> if you had to say, what would you do to shore up plans for the parade scheduled for Fountain Square in early November? He thought Tim and Chad were going to be on again. That must have been it. Must have been it. Um, any any quick thoughts on what moves you would still make? Again, it's the same thing again. A pitcher and a, and a pitcher that's going to help. You know, he's going to move the needle. And I'm like you. I'm not convinced that Bieber. I think Bieber makes the team better, makes the rotation better, and and, and could possibly really move the needle. But you can't say going into the season if they if they if Bieber is the big pitcher that they hire, that he's mm-hmm. definitely going to be a difference maker. Yeah, um, I like Bieber if he comes with Class A. Um, I love Tyler Glass now if he comes with a Randy Randy Rosarena because I would love to have that real thumper bat in the outfield. Like we can, you know, Spencer still moving to the outfield where I think he's going to get most of his at bats is great, but having a legitimate stud out there would make a huge difference. You, and it you, would are, make there, me, you are daring to dream. I'm daring. I'm daring. You are daring to dream. But imagine the prospects we give up. Like, like Tyler Glass now for $25 million. I don't want to give up the farm for one year of him. But you package right. that with someone like a Rosarena. And suddenly, I'm willing to give up a whole lot more because you got that guy for several years at a good dollar value. Um, a similar okay. thing for Dylan Cease over in Chicago. I think that Cease's profile doesn't exactly play well in Great American. But he's better than almost everybody that they have. I'd be willing to give up more for him if I could negotiate with him before before the trade to see if you could sign him to an extension. Sign him long term. Um, Maybe he doesn't have the ceiling of a Hunter Green or a Nick Lodolo, but the Reds, none of these guys we're talking about for the Reds have ever thrown 150 innings in a season. So let's pump pump the brakes. He's solid. Probably gives up a little too many fly balls and home runs, but that's going to happen. but does he get the Reds to a World Series? I don't know. Could you package something that gets him and Luis Robert? They're in the dream. One of the best young outfielders in the game. Um, I would give up all the guys, all the young guys. I would. I know you can't do this in Major League Baseball. I would package up, package up the next five years worth of draft picks. Just give, <laughs> give me one of these dudes. Make a run for it this year. So that's. You're, I guess, you're, gonna, pull, you're gonna pull a Mike Ditka. <laughs> so yeah, I guess the easiest way to answer the question would be I want a top two starter. I want a shutdown reliever, somebody to pitch the eighth before Diaz in the ninth. And I think like a legit all-star kind of talent in the outfield. So you want that, you want you want the first one and one of the other two. I want all three. He's talking about what gets what gets us that parade in November. I want all three. I think third. All three gets us on that short list of teams that the talking heads think can win it all. Yeah. Uh, two out of three, though, I'm going to be a, a happy camper. Okay. All right. Next question comes from Joey Gaditza. He says, hey, guys. Hey, Joey. Instead of trading, Bob should just pony up and shell out for a Stroman and Guriel. Joey's big on Lawrence Guriel. Problem solved. If that actually happened on a scale of 1 to 10, where would my excitement level be? 
It would be a Christmas miracle. Bill, where would your excitement be? One to ten. I don't know enough about Guriel, and like we were talking about Stroman. I he he makes me a nervous wreck. Um, you know, but but would he make this team better? Yeah. I, I mean, yeah. you know, five, six, I don't know. Yeah, put me at a seven. We, we just laid out a bunch of dudes we'd rather have than those dudes. Yeah. But if they got them both, I mean, I would be spending hours a day finding every single statistic that I can to talk myself into this moves. <laughs> like, this is the best signing of all time. The Reds are going to the World Series, baby. So give me a solid yeah, and, and, and a seven and a half, to, Joey. And if you don't have to give up anything for them, you know, other than money. That's the big thing. Spend all the money. I got seven and a half. I don't want to leave Joey in the lurch. I know he's he's pumped about Gurriel. All right. All right, James Urban, with the next question. Why do you guys think the league allowed the Otani contract to go through? That is an absurd amount of deferred money. It seems so odd. I guess we do need to touch on the absurdity of the Shohei Otani contract. Quick Cliffs notes, 10 years, $700 million, but like 600 and. 80. 80 million are deferred um which reduces the which reduces like the present value of the contract so they don't have to pay as much in luxury tax there's a whole bunch yeah. of nuances to so this. he is going to be taking a two million dollar year contract it is going to count 48 million i believe it's either 46 or 48 million dollars per year towards the competitive balance tax yeah um the reason that the league didn't step in is because there's nothing in against it in the contract. Not only is there nothing against it, there is a specific clause that allows it. And this is something that the players fall for. The league actually would have supported, from what I read, um, not permitting differences like this. But the players wanted it, and the league didn't care enough to fight back against it. So the players wanted it. That's your first answer. Um, two, I have found that when you – think of this more as um, the guys on talking baseball were talking putting it this way. Like in the NFL, you see signing bonuses all the time. This is just a completion bonus. It's a signing bonus paid at the end of the contract. It's a, it's that, a back-end loaded contract. So he's not going to make a lot of money as far as the salary goes on a year-to-year basis. It still counts on that cap hit. It's still the largest cap hit by 6% in Major League Baseball history. So he still sets the precedent that – you know, I'm sure he wanted to set. It allows the Dodgers financial flexibility, which is the big thing. It, it gives them a cash flow advantage. The Dodgers shouldn't need any advantage, but no. the word on the street is that Shohei offered the same deal to every team out there, and they were all amenable to it. So lambasting the Dodgers for it, I don't get. It just, you should be mad at the Castellinis. You should be mad at your ownership for not having the money. You should want the team to be owned by someone that has the money. Whenever we say sell the team, Bob, which we so often do, it is less about how we feel about them as people and more about we want this team to have every single competitive advantage. And the Castellanis don't have enough money. The ownership group does not have enough money to do things like this. The Giants were apparently the number two team in this this Otani race. And they were going to pony up the exact same deal that the Dodgers did. And the Reds could never in a million years pretend yeah, I, to do it. I, 
and I, I was reading an article in the athletic that, that said exactly what you said. Don't be mad at the Dodgers. Be mad at your team for not doing this. Yeah. It's an opportunity for everybody. You know, it wasn't a sneaky thing that the Dodgers came through. It was like, Hey, well, what if we do this? Shohei's team brought this to the teams that were in the running and said, I would like to do this. Can y'all make it happen? I also read that he's made, he makes 50 million a year off endorsements. So I don't that's, think he's got to, he's got to worry about where his next meal's coming from. That's 50 million that we know about. <laughs> and a lot of people saw um, John Heyman reported during the Aaron judge sweepstakes last year that the Padres were going to offer something like 14 million, 400 or 14 years, 400 million, and that the league was going to step in. And a lot of people caught onto that and had a problem with it. Like, well, why wouldn't they do this for Shohei if they were going to do it for Aaron judge? And to that, I would say one, John Heyman reported it. <laughs> he hasn't been writing about six years. To, he said that the league would do it. The league never said they would do it. The right. league never That's even. Where I was going. Yeah, they never even acknowledged that they had considered it. And the complaint there was the years, not the money. Yeah, you know, fourteen years for a guy that's already thirty takes a player three years past any big free agents free agency signing long term deal in Major League history. It's a different ball game. So, yeah, James, it stinks as a Reds fan that we are not able to ever be a contender for something like this. But I don't think the league should have stepped in. I don't either. All right, next question. And, and, they, and they had no legal right to do so. Yeah. Oh, God, it would have been so long and drawn out. If they would have tried to fight this, it would have been a disaster. And the optics would have been horrible. All right, next question comes from Taj Simmons. He says, hi, guys. Hi, Taj. Why is it that the same Reds fans that were complaining about the team not spending money, deservedly so, are now complaining that the Reds are overpaying free agents or are spending it in the wrong places? I love the addition of Candelario and the positional flexibility it adds for the Reds. I think adding Candelario and moving Steer India to the outfield, Steer or India, and or hyphen slash dash, or having extra depth pieces for injury or for a trade is a better option than adding any of the remaining free agent outfielders that might have been available such as Jorge Soler, Teoscar Hernandez, and Chuck Peterson. Signing Candelario to a loaded infield is a far superior option than what the Reds have historically done in free agency, which is, of course, next to nothing. Any thoughts on that one, Bill? Why are people mad? Well, that's a, that's a long, lot of information there, Tosh. In the, you did the question in the first three lines. Uh, why are they – because we're ba- because we're sports fans and we like to complain in the offseason. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, you know, and, and, and let's be honest that most fans don't trust this ownership and front office group. Uh, so that's, you know, that's the other side of it to me, but you know, like everything else, you can take whichever side you want to take of it. Now we'll find out that when the season starts, whether they were right or wrong. Yeah. A hundred percent. If you're only looking online, which is where we all exist these days, um, there's no room for nuance. It's either perfect or awful, and there's no in-between. Mm-hmm. I think that the Reds signed a good ball player, and we should be pretty happy about that. If you ask me if I thought that uh, the amount of money they gave to these guys was the wisest allocation of resources, I would say no, but I don't care. I'm glad they spent it. They had it to spend, and I hope they keep spending more. Um, I'll take I'll take a couple of those guys you mentioned. I'll take Jorge Soler. But the, I, the, only, the only way I question how much they spend on, on these guys is if they get to a point where they say, well, we ran out of money. Yes. Or, or, we, or we couldn't sign somebody because we, you know, because of our budget. 
hundred percent. You know, then I'd say, well, then I questioned the guy, the first guys you signed for, which seemed like more money than they were really worth. Yeah. If they can't sign, you know, insert stud free agent pitcher, Marcus Stroman, for example, because they spent that money on Emilio Pagan, then sure. Right. I could, I could have an issue there. Then I think there's a legitimate gripe. Until then, it's wait and see time. Yeah, let's bump the brakes. All right, last question comes oh, Rich Thompson with what might be the most eloquent and efficient question Rich has ever asked. Um, is there a baseball movie that I should watch that will get me in the holiday spirit and will get me primed for the upcoming 2024 season? I imagine that this is, uh, again, we thought Chad was going to be on here today. He published his top 85 uh, baseball movies that came out on his sub stack on Thursday morning. Um, disagree with most read. of them. It's a great read. Horrible takes across the board. Air Bud should have been way higher. It's nonsense. <laughs> um, no, definitely uh, subscribe to Chad's free Substack. Um, worth a look. Bill, any baseball movies that get you in the holiday spirit? We This got added to our list like five minutes before we jumped on today. So I didn't get to think about it, get the proper holiday attention. Holiday spirit means for me means laughing and having a good time, and you can't beat Major League if you want to laugh. Fair enough. I like that a lot. Um, Let's not start a holy war here. <laughs> That's my favorite league. line for the whole movie. <laughs> you saying Jesus Christ can't hit a curveball? Can't hit a curveball. Curve I'm going to watch that tonight. Um, I'm trying to think if there's anything else that like specifically I, 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 addresses I have to winter. Take issue with your bro- I'm going to take issue with your brother, even though he's not here. I I, I, I am not a Field of Dreams guy. I. Movie leaves me colder than a fish. It does nothing for me. I don't. I don't, get, I don't get the allure. I don't know that I would have had it number one. What would you? Spoiler do you know alert. what your number one would be? I think the Sandlot. See, I've never even seen that. Oh my gosh! I know I'm a communist. I gotta say that nothing. If you are a nine to twelve year old playing baseball, when you see that movie for the first time, and Baseball is your favorite sport. Then there's just no going back. That's okay, I, have to, I have to real quick look up and see if, I, if that's available to me on any of my platforms. I can't believe it. By the next time you're on this podcast, you better have watched that. Um, most underrated is Everybody Wants Some. Made it pretty high on Chad's list. It is the uh, Richard Linklater. It's almost like a sequel to Days and Confused is how Chad put it about um, a college baseball team. Definitely go watch that. It's awesome. I, I've, most, never even heard, I've never even heard of that one. Most people haven't. It is not super popular, and it is incredible. I loved it. Uh, my most underrated, I think, is Little Big League. When we were, when I was really little, Chad used to bring me around. You know, he's, he's quite a bit older than me, and make sure you remind him of that every time you see him. He uh, would get me to like call me over like a party trick. Watch my six-year-old brother reel off the entire Reds roster. And it was great. So Little Big League plays into that, like a super young, incredibly knowledgeable baseball fan that I think that a lot of our listeners is will. It, is, is, that one, is that the one where the, the, the kid becomes the manager? Yeah, okay. he becomes he, he becomes owner of the twins and then yeah. wonderfulness ensues. And it also has some of the uh, the best in-game baseball sequences. Like oh, okay. the, the extras they got to play, except for maybe one pitcher, all look like they know what they're doing. Um, as far as the holidays, though, Rich, 
I mean, for the love of the game, has a lot of winter scenes, but they are not very positive. They're not very no. rosy. See, but and that, there's one that I like much better than your brother does. That would have been a lot higher on my list than your than your brother does. I agree. I think that is the perfect date night movie. If you ever want to yeah. watch something with baseball, but you want your wife or girlfriend or partner to be into it, that's the one. See, great I, and, I think, and I think Bull Durham is a great baseball movie until Newt goes to the big leagues. Then they lose me. In fact, I, I usually quit watching there. We might have to do – we did a baseball movie draft a few months back. We might need to do a whole podcast on just baseball movies. All right, I'm going to put that together. You, we'll, we'll use Chad's list as a, as a point of, as, a, as a reference list. Yeah, but we'll just take it to the cleaners, just rip <laughs> it to shreds. All right, Bill, any other uh, – any parting words of wisdom before we call it a night? We are going to sneak hope, in just under one hour. I'm proud of us. Hope everybody has a, a safe and – prosperous holiday season if i don't if i'm not back on before then absolutely um please if everybody has time go check out everything else we have going on at the riverfront riverfront you is crushing over there uh, we are covering all of the local college teams the uh crosstown shootout was a lot of fun bill was pretty happy after uh after that and game surprised. Ended. and surprised and surprised um, the Bengals show still rocking over there. We thought it was going to be a limp to the finish for this NFL season, but Jake Browning has uh, injected some life into this team. Playoffs are back Ooh. on the table, boys. Speaking of the Bengals, my, I was at the Bengal, at the Pro Football Hall of Fame a couple weeks ago. Picked me up a Kenny Riley hat. You'd love to see it. And then Tim and Ben are over there. there. Heck yeah. And then Tim and Ben are still crushing things on some that big episode on Late Night Reds this Sunday. You got to tune in live. They are doing a Christmas song draft. All of your favorite talking heads are going to be there. It's going to be a uh, a crowded draft room, and I can't wait to see how it turns out. Whoever picks that that darn Beatles song. I don't know if it's all the Beatles or just one Beatle. Goes number one. I'm going to lose my mind. Which Beatles song? Um, wonderful Christmas time. That one, I don't even know how it goes. I hate it. It's terrible. But anyway, we'll save, we'll save that for next episode. Bill, thank you so much for joining. Um, thank you everyone for listening and supporting the Riverfront. Tell your friends, do the subscribes, hit the bells, hit the thumbs ups, hit the likes, spread the word. We need it, and we love you. And once again, huge, huge, huge shouts to our friends at Patreon.com/slash/RiverfrontCincy. And we'd love for you to join in on the hijinks. Shout out to Adam Dunn. Shout out to Lee Salverto and Wayne Crenchicki and Eli Cash. For Bill Lack and for Dante Bichette, this is Nate Dotson. So long. <laughs>